Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Chris Foy joins us out of the UK. G'day, Chris. How are you? Morning, good. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks, mate. Good. So uh, we talked, I think, last time was before they pulled the trigger on Eddie Jones. It's happened now. We've got Steve Borthwick in the job for England uh, through to the World Cup uh, at least, uh, potentially uh, th- uh, through a bit later as well. I guess depends how that World Cup goes for him. What's your reaction to that appointment? Yeah, it's been a nice quiet few weeks here, as you can imagine. <laughs> um, it's... Uh, yeah, I mean, they, they, they finished the autumn, uh, as we would say here, the autumn series really badly, and uh, it looked like the writing was on the wall for Eddie Jones, and so it proved it was just its just a matter of the timing element. It, it, there was a feeling that something like that was coming, um, despite the fact the RFU had been so loyal to him for so long. Uh, the crowd started to turn, and it just became apparent that it was untenable. But I, I still think the way it all panned out pretty quickly took everyone by surprise. The RFU are not always known for such dynamic actions. Um, and all of a sudden, there they were getting rid of one guy and bringing someone else in in a couple of weeks. It's quite remarkable. They probably all need to go and have a lie down now. But um, Steve Borthwick came and spoke to us yesterday. He got he got officially unveiled yesterday. And he's, he's quite a sort of quiet, reserved character by nature, very different to Eddie Jones. But he was excellent yesterday. Like in, in terms of a watching English audience looking for someone to come in and take charge and, and give him a bit of hope. He was really, really good, really convincing in how he spoke, uh, talking about his attitude, his passion for the job, saying all the right things about how much, his big desire to turn England around and some of the key building blocks he's going to put in place and they've got time to turn it around before the World Cup, etc. And, you know, some of us are a little bit sceptical, but actually probably left the room at the end of it thinking, oh, you know, this, this guy sort of believes in himself here. There's there's a bit to this. And uh, it's, it's going to be interesting. I mean, make no mistake, there's nothing ideal about the timing. It's all very chaotic. It's all very last minute. But I think he is such a meticulous, dedicated character that he can get them firing again. Talked to a few different people, Martin Gillingham uh, being one of them. He wasn't a fan of this as a potential appointment before the call was actually made because he thought Borthwick was a step backwards um, in in terms of the type of rugby England would play. Uh, What do you think of that and and what do you expect stylistically? Uh, Yeah, I I don't think he's going to sort of um, set the world alight with the razzle-dazzle rugby, let's be clear. Um, There's already lots of chat yesterday about uh, a so-called English style which is a euphemism for saying they're going to, you know, kick the ball in the air, tackle hard, chase a lot, and try and scrummage harder than they have been doing. So, look, they're going to they're going to fall back on forward power if they've got enough of it, which they believe they can find. Um, and some of the staples are just hard graft, good good planning, good fitness, just all the sort of poor uh, earthy qualities they think sort of go into the English DNA, and maybe not go so much down the road of trying to add layers of sort of flair and creativity, which, you know, to be honest, is 
is not going to be uh, welcome news to a lot of people who care about what the game looks like. But obviously, they, they will sort of take the view that if England start winning again and are pretty convincing and dominant, even if it isn't necessarily always pretty, um, they will get the public on their side. And I think to a degree, for a while, that will be the case. I think it's a strange one because we were chatting to the RFU chief executive as well and I asked him whether there's a desire on the union's part to see people entertained as well as to see people watching a winning team. And he sort of suggested, yes, there is, that that is part of the equation. But I, I, I think realistically, the way Steve Borthwick goes about his job is likely to be very much focused on the, the basics, the fundamentals, and they will be all founded on rolling the sleeves up, working hard and planning and being aggressive and powerful. And I don't necessarily think you'll see England running in tries from the other end of the field. Yeah, what about... Um... His backroom stuff, is it going to stay the same or is he able to bring, you know, what he had with him at Leicester? Yeah, well, he's, he's brought Kevin Sinfield with him from Leicester, who's his defence coach. And and I, I just can't speak highly enough of the standing Kevin Sinfield has in this country at the moment. He's done, a lot, a lot of it is based on what he's doing outside of his rugby. Uh, as he, He's, you know, rugby league legend in these parts, absolute superstar of rugby league for many years, multi-title winning um, player and captain with Leeds Rhinos in England and Great Britain. And then he's finished and sort of worked a little bit in the management side of league, come over to Leicester, change codes to give it a try in Union. Um, and then having got into Union, helped Leicester to win the title um, last season, basically his first full season, they won the title. He had a really good impact, really well regarded by the players. And then he's doing loads of work off the field to help a former teammate of his, Rob Burrow, who's got motor neurone disease. And he's doing all these massive sort of marathons and huge sort of uh, ultra marathon uh, runs. Like He's done a three, uh, three different major events to raise money. He's, he's basically raised millions of pounds for this guy and for motor neurone disease. And as the, the whole country are, are sort of really in awe of the things he's doing. So he's a really inspirational figure. So I think them getting Kevin Sinfield in with Borthwick as this really inspirational figure in the country at the moment and also as someone who's just seen as a really high-quality coach. That's an excellent signing and he'll probably complement Borthwick well. Apart from that, it looks like Richard Cockrell, uh, who a lot of us know very well from his time working at Leicester, he will be probably staying around to work with the forwards, even though that's Borthwick's area because he's in charge. He'll need someone else to do a lot of the work with the forwards. So Cockerell looks like he'll probably stay, and it looks like there's a, a major chance that Matt Proudfoot, who came over from the Springboks after the last World Cup, um, will be leaving, and Brett Hodgson, who unbelievably has been brought in, uh, Aussie Rugby League guy, has been brought in by Eddie Jones, mm. has been having a watching brief while he prepares to take over running the defence, because Anthony Seabold's gone back to NRL. And before he's even going to start the job, he'll be out the door. I mean, it's it's remarkable. But that's he's going to be probably ousted from his post before he's actually done a proper day's work. So that's pretty savage on him. Um, and then the position of most interest is going to be attack coach because it's Martin Gleeson who came over from Rugby League as well. He's in the post at the moment. But there's a bit of speculation that, you know, Borthwick might have a look around and he said he's not afraid to go abroad to look for the right candidate, basically. Yeah, so, I mean, Kevin Sinfield's interesting because my first uh, 
sort of reaction to him was, you know, he's an English uh, Sean Edwards, but he seems to be more than that outside of the game. Oh, he's an unbelievable boy. I mean, he's sort of the sort of guy, if you met him and spoke to him for a while, he, he, he sort of, he almost, uh, I say this slightly lighthearted, he almost makes you feel bad about yourself because he's just an outstanding guy. Like, he's just, he couldn't be a better person. He's just a really humble guy, working class bloke from the north of England, who played his heart out as a rugby league player, was an outstanding player, absolute superstar in his area, in rugby league, in this country. He was a superstar. But I, I've met him and interviewed him previously, and he couldn't be more humble. He's a really just nice, sound, down-to-earth guy. And the stuff he's done in the last couple of years, if, if people, your listeners are not familiar with this and you look up what Kevin Simfield has done, um, I'm sure it translates. There'll be motor neuron disease, you know, will be a global issue. And in our country, he has done an unbelievable amount of stuff to raise awareness of it and force the government to invest in it. And I know I'm going off the rugby script here, but it actually, I think, translates to what he does in a rugby context. Because I think the players will all be in awe of this guy. And I think they'd follow him through a brick wall. They'd follow him through a fire. They'd do anything for this bloke because he's just got that aura. I think he's an incredible man. He's unbelievable. It sounds like it. I mean, I, I, I hear that backroom staff and, you know, what you said about asking um, you know, representatives of English Rugby Football Union about, you know, attacking football and, and how important is that. I don't see anybody in there that's going to sort of do what Steve Borthwick can't. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, he's... The main thing about Steve Borthwick is he is an incredibly dedicated man. He, he will have arrived yesterday sat down in his suit in front of the cameras, done his press conference with us. And I wouldn't be surprised if he's gone up, gone off and spent the whole night sat there studying footage. He'll just be on it already. Uh, what, I, what I will say, say about him in terms of an outside perception of what you'll get with England is I guarantee no other team at the World Cup will be more ready, more prepared, and will have done more research, will be more fit. Like, they will, he will just be absolutely dedicated and meticulous. He is a phenomenal planner and organiser and just hard grafter. So they may not win the World Cup, they may not get close, but they won't they won't fail because they're not ready, because they're not organised. He, he's in, he incredibly thorough in what he does. He's, he's very well regarded as a technical coach. He's got incredible knowledge. Lots of people who work with him speak so highly of him. I think the the deficit was always seen as whether he was enough of a people person and enough of just a, an all-round guy who would sort of draw people to him and inspire people with his persona, if you like. But actually, yesterday, what came out was he sort of showed a bit more of a, a different face to the public. He, he spoke differently. He's normally very guarded. This time he spoke about his family and about his background growing up and how much he watched England play and wanted to be there and was so inspired and was dedicating himself from the age of 14, going to the gym and absolutely putting himself through hell because he was so determined to play for England. And, and he just showed a different side to his character. And I think everyone left that thinking, all oh, right, we didn't, you know, I mean, we've all known him for years and we've never seen that. We have never seen that before. And you sort of thought, oh, hang on a minute. This is a bloke, actually, who can get people together in a room and talk to them in a way that they will go out there and, do, you know, fight for their lives for this guy because he, he showed that he's got more a more of a rounded approach like that. He's not just a planner. He's not just a guy who sits behind a laptop and studies lineouts as he's famous for. You know, there's there's more to him. So I think he will do a phenomenal amount of work and then it's just getting 
complimentary people around him. Kevin Sinfield, 100%, is a complimentary guy to have with him. He's a real passionate, heart on the sleeve, fist, you know, shake your fist, up and at them guys, get them fighting. Richard Cockrell is cut from a similar cloth, real tough, no-nonsense, um, you know, sort of a English rugby character, a really great talker. And then it's just what they do with attack. An attack might be that instead of getting the most visionary person, we'd all want them to go out and just trawl the world and get the most visionary rugby thinker, if you like, to run the attack. It might be that they cut their cloth in terms of Borthwick knows what he wants and he goes and gets an attack coach who can implement his idea of the game plan. And we just don't know that yet. It's still it's still very early days. Has the, uh, has the appointment been universally sort of welcomed in England? I mean, I know there was a lot of talk about Scott Robertson over here, and I know that there there was some talk over in your neck of the woods as well, and and no doubt he wasn't the only other option. Um, How's it been, you know, sort of taking the Borthwick appointment overall? This is is what I'm saying about yesterday in a way, because yesterday was the, the announcement and the official sort of unveiling and, you know, bring the cameras in, and here he is facing the facing the nation and talking. And I, I think he did a huge job just in one day, in one appearance, to change perceptions. And mm. it's a start. He's only a start. He hasn't coached a session. I'm not I'm not getting carried away. We're not sort of saying, oh, that's it, he's the Messiah. But he came in with such a really clear and convincing, you know, point about how he was going to go about things and such a passion about how he spoke that you sort of thought, okay, we can sort of believe in this a bit. And I think that's the coverage of it has all been universally positive. And it's not just a knee-jerk reaction and everyone there sort of bang the drum for the national team. You know, we're quite a sort of, we're we're hard workers in national media. We'll we'll soon uh, give a different opinion if we think that's what's needed. Um, But he he was very convincing yesterday. Whereas I would would say, to your point, that there was a a lot of scepticism and I would have been one of those. And I I probably still am. I still wait to be fully convinced because I think... Scott Robertson would have been put on a pedestal as this absolute sort of visionary thinker. I, th- I think sometimes, I'll be honest, in this part of the world, certain people in rugby circles hear a Kiwi accent and just assume some rugby wisdom that is there. You know, that they, they just assume there's a, a layer or two of rugby wisdom that our people don't have. They will hear the Kiwi accent and put them on a certain pedestal. And sometimes that's entirely justified they would say that in Wales about Warren Gatland. And in other times, it isn't. There are other guys who've come over, you know, I'm thinking of our major, Todd Blackadder, guys who've come over relatively recently, tried to make it as a coach in this part of the world, and it just hasn't happened for whatever reason. So um, I think Scott Robertson was up on a pedestal, and lots of people who cared a lot about the England team, and a lot of players and former players were saying, get him in, get him in. This guy is unbelievable. He will transform everything. He will change the way... English players and the public see how rugby is played, this is the future, this is the way it should go. And they've gone completely the other way. They've gone for a guy who couldn't be more of a, a sort of stereotype of the English way of thinking about the game. So time will tell, you know. Yeah, interesting too that his first game in charge, Steve Borthwick, is going to be against Scotland at Twickenham for the Calcutta Cup game that you've you know, lost the last two times. Uh, Scott, the Scots hold it. And your referees for this are Paul Williams, Ben O'Keefe, James Dolman and Brennan Prickle are all, all Kiwis. Um, <laughs> it, it, from an England point of view, when you see an all-Kiwi referee crew, do you, is there an inward groan like we have down here when we see a French refereeing crew? I don't think so. I mean, I, I'm not going to mention any names, but I would say my personal view 
is there's a couple of referees I would probably be inwardly groaning about, and they're not Kiwis. Uh, I, won't, I won't say any more, but there's, there's, there are. I think we've all got that sort of thought in our heads. There's almost like a sort of a pet one or two, you know, pet names where you just sort of look at it and go, oh no, really? And you just your heart sinks a little bit. And I'm not saying this as a fan. I'm saying this as someone who wants the game to flow, say, and, and, and wants to not feel like it's pedantic officiating where the whistle's being blown every two minutes. I'm not there waving a flag. I'm just there wanting the game to be a good game, really. Um, but there are there are certain times when you think, oh, I'm not sure about this moment. I don't think so. In this case, I think they're they're decent officials. I don't I don't think there's any concerns in this part of the world about that. What I would say is Steve Borthwick, one of his tasks is to make England better at how they get onside with officials and stay there. And and in any way, if they have to come up against officials who don't always make life easy for them, whoever they are, I think that's that's a good thing. They've got to get better at that. They're not very smart. They're not very streetwise. They always seem to run into trouble where they just paint the wrong picture at the set piece or a little bit of back chat or they get pinged a couple of times at the breakdown early on and they're just on the wrong side and they seem to stay there. And they've talked about it and talked about it and talked about it. And they don't seem to manage to solve it as the game's going on on the hoof. They just don't seem to find a way around it. So I think that's one of the big sort of priority jobs in the in-tray for Steve Borthwick is to work out. And that might mean a leadership change. That just might mean an attitude shift. But they do have to work out how they deal with officials better. Mm. Does Owen Farrell have a, a future? In the England jersey, do you think? I mean, there's been uh, there was a story that did the rounds. I'm sure you saw it as well, linking him to a move to Wigan um, and and going back to rugby league. I don't see him going anywhere at all. But I, um, I mean, Steve Borthwick knows him very well. He played with him. He's coached him. He, he, he's very, very sure about what Owen Farrell can do. There's at the moment, I would say, because Borthwick is a character who keeps his cards close to his chest. We're all in the guessing game stage, you know. Like uh, uh, to be honest, I would say there would be an argument for a fresh start. I've seen a bit of chat about because they, uh, Leicester won the title last year with Ellis Genge as captain. Borthwick could turn to Genge. He turned to him at Leicester. It worked a treat, and Leicester won the title. He could turn to him again in the England context, and Genge has been talked about as a really dynamic, aggressive, imposing character, and that might be a, a, a good idea. Now. I, uh, a lot of us have a, a high regard still for Courtney Laws. He's done the job. He's done it pretty well. The, play, the other players seem to relate to him really well, but he's he's struggled a bit with injuries lately. Owen Farrell struggled a bit with injuries too, and there's always that feeling that can't quite go away that Farrell and the referees don't always see eye to eye, and sometimes if you're on a bit of a charm offensive with officials, Farrell's not the man you put at the front of that because he just has to be left to be this incredibly aggressive guy who sets the tone for a you know confrontational game plan and maybe it's best to keep him one step removed from that to direct contact with the referees I, I think there should be a conversation about the leadership I don't think Farrell's out of the picture at all but I, I think one of the areas of fascination will be whether Borthwick persists with the 10-12 axis of Marcus Smith and Owen Farrell or whether he decrees from the outset which he may well do Owen Farrell is a 10. He wants to be a 10. That's where he's best. So I either pick him or I pick Marcus Smith and I pick a proper 12. And that's how I'm going to go ahead. So these are all things that are going to be fascinating here for the next probably month and a half leading into that Scotland game. There's lots of doubt about some of the big selections, decisions he's going to make and policy decisions about how they play and 
leadership. It's good news for people like me because I've got plenty to write about. Plenty to write about. Hopefully you get plenty of time to put your feet up as well, mate, and uh, enjoy Christmas with the family. We'll get, we'll get a couple of days, but, you know, it never it never ends. There's always something. <laughs> I mean, this year we've had clubs going out of business and all sorts of disciplinary chaos and financial chaos and England chaos. So, you know, there's always something. But we'll, we'll have a few days and we'll get into it again. Yeah, indeed. All right, mate. Hey, listen, thanks very much for coming on and, and for chatting to us throughout the year as well. I really appreciate it. Uh, so much more we could have talked about, but uh, I want to let you go. I know that there's uh, there's probably a Beaujolais somewhere with your name on it, so I'll let you go do that. And uh, enjoy your Christmas <laughs> and we'll catch up with you soon. <laughs> yeah, uh, a Merry Christmas to everyone down there. Thanks very much.